0: And joining us now um, is former Marquette coach. I guess he's now retired. I figured he would coach till he's at least 80. Joining us now is Mike Dean. Is it accurate that you have retired from coaching?
1: I've been retired for a few years. I, th- I think that the uh, the NIL and the uh, transfer portal got me out.
0: <laughs> no, you could still coach. Come on. You could co- still coach today, right? Well, I could, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I could. All right, I'm assuming everybody has stories about George Thompson. Uh, I'm curious because I don't know what yours are or how much interaction you had with him.
1: Well, I'll give you this story. I grew up in Rockland County, New York, which is one county up from New York City. And back then, you, you know, you didn't get many games on TV. We got the ECAC game of the week where you got the CBS game. Of course, Marquette was on that, you know, several times a year. And uh, uh, I'm watching a team with a six foot three center. And then they have the, uh, not only the nerve, but the power to go to the NIT instead of the NCAA. And I would always go with my high school coach to the NIT because, you know, New- Massive Square Garden was close. And uh, I-, I just remember I had the opportunity to see. George play live at Madison Square Garden, and it was uh, uh, then to come back to Marquette and have him be, you know, working with you and uh, we're doing the games together was uh, quite an honor for me.
0: Is there any way you can compare him to someone um, as to uh, his ability
1: or play? He's as unique to his game was as unique as Pete Maravich's was. And certainly in a different way, but there's no such thing as a six foot three center that played the way that he did. Uh, there's nothing like him. Maybe the closest thing would would have been uh, uh, Barkley in the pros, and, and obviously Barkley a little more accomplished offensive player than George was, but but the same kind of concept—a uh, undersized, uh, very powerful inside player that could do things that defied. Uh, the concept of basketball, as we know it, and uh, uh, George was a, a, a legend, but more important than that, George was just a class guy. He, he understood the game, he, he was a, a great guy to be around. Uh, I loved having him and you uh, around, enjoyed working with you and uh, I talked to George several times after you know I, I moved on to other places, and, and things changed, and uh, always a pleasure to talk to him. Uh, I thought he was a gentleman. Uh I thought he was all class, and certainly we're all going to miss him uh
0: when when you watched him play i mean he was was he that much better than everyone else because Marquette had good teams
1: yeah yeah he he but he was the guy though you know, on those teams that he played on, and because he was uh, uh playing with his back to the basket a lot and playing above the rim like he did. Uh, and, and of course he was a New York City guy so when he got to Madison Square Garden he elevated his game he was playing in front of the hometown crowd uh, it, it was just it, it was something you didn't see you just didn't see anything like that and I don't there that really hasn't been that much like that since uh, as the game evolved and, and so I think he he'll always hold that place in, in my heart uh, Tom Brennan who was a basketball coach from the University of Vermont uh, who who just left my house to go to Charleston where he's flying out tomorrow was with me for three days. And we were, we were talking about George and, and Tom is a little, he's George's age, he's a little bit older than me. And he played at, at Georgia. And, uh, he just said that everybody called the guy, the bear. They said he, they couldn't believe what he could do for his size. And I know his nickname was tip, but, um, and, and Tom, Tom was uh, six foot four, but he was 160 pounds. And uh, his claim to fame was that he held Maravich under his average and they beat LSU because he held Maravich to 40 <laughs> instead of 42, which was his average. So uh, he talks about that. But he, he, we, we both kind of took a moment to, of respect to, to hold our, bow our heads for, for George and, and his memory, and, and most because of how unique he was on the floor. But uh, in, I enjoyed even more of the time we got to spend when I was coaching there. What a classy guy. and What a fun guy to be around.
0: Talking with former Marquette coach Mike Dean. He says he's retired, but I think if the right job came around as an assistant coach, he might take it. Uh, uh, so <laughs> how would you – you hey. were
1: – go ahead. I was going to tell you, assistants make more than I did as a head coach now. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That that you know.
0: Well, I would hire be. you. I, I'm sure Brian Wardle at some point did. I would hire you, and you would set up the defensive standards of what everybody how everybody would be guarded and then if in fact if someone didn't do what you had said I would allow you to call timeout 15 seconds into the game so you could run out on the court and I'll clean this up say how can you do that I told you the one thing you have to do you can't right. give him a 3 well anyway that's
1: well, you know, it, it's interesting. But, you know, we did spend sometimes uh, an inordinate amount of time maybe discussing if a guy only could go to his right shoulder, then you probably shouldn't let him go to his right shoulder. <laughs> and invariably... Uh, if Richard it happened, Shaw you somewhere.
0: called timeout immediately, correct? This is not right, made up. Right, No, then, no. Yeah.
1: Invariably, Richard Shaw would let his guy get the ball the first time <laughs> and uh, let him turn to his right shoulder. And I figured it you know, when I did something wrong, my father didn't wait three days to tell me about it. He, we discussed it right then and there. So... I figured I might discuss that with Richard at that particular juncture and not, not wait any longer. And um and Nick McCarchick who coached at Ford and when I was at uh, Siena used to say, all right, guys, Mike's going to call a timeout in the first minute and a half. I'm not going to have anything to say to you. So just come over to the bench, get a water and relax. And invariably I would always do that. So it, it kind of came with me to Marquette and the, the tradition continued on. So I, you're right. I guess I got that reputation for the quick timeout the first one. Now you only get you get one and a half and you you know you can't hang on to it, so it, it doesn't really matter anymore.
0: So my premise is that that was one of your strengths and the reason that you had success everywhere you coached is did you did you view it that way your ability to defend players and make it I mean make them a little bit tougher and that Am I giving that too big a role? Because I would have said, if I were a coach, I'd hire you to do the same thing today and get your opinion on how to guard each individual player like you did then and all the other stuff I would take care of.
1: I uh, I, I think that it, certainly it was uh, not, a, not a signature trademark, but something that I, I got to be known for is making teams beat us Away from what they like to right. do, whether it was a play they like to run or a tendency that a particular player had, we we talked about every game. We changed our defense every game to take away what teams like to do and to force them to beat us in a, in another way, and uh, and what we were willing to concede and what we wanted to take away. And I think you know every program I was in, it took a little while to get that established, but once we did, the guys started to believe in it too. And, uh, and, and expected, uh, even at James Madison, when I went to work for Matt Brady, who was a former player of mine at Siena college, uh, in my last coaching job, you know, we led the nation in three point field goal percentage defense. And certainly we had some great runs statistically on the defensive end while I was at Marquette. Uh, and the game certainly has evolved and changed. And yet I think uh, defensively and as a coach, I would have been able to evolve quite comfortably with it and still be able to take things away from teams. That was
0: going to be my next question, but I'm going to save it because I want to know how you would have defended George Thompson. I'm guessing you'd have put five people and made him score every basket as a shot of at least 12 feet away. But I, don't know, I'm, no, I'm I,
1: I, I think, if you think about our teams at Marquette, if we were playing that team at Marquette, I would have taken... Uh, uh, a guy like uh, Jared Lavette or Richard Shaw or any of those big kids we had, John Miller or Clausen or uh, Amal, and I would have fronted him completely and figured out how to get uh, which guy we weren't going to worry about shooting on the perimeter and get him to come from behind to take away any lob plays. But it's a little hard to lob it over a guy like Amal McCaskill to a so six. So the tall
0: guy, guy is uh, in front. That's the key,
1: right? Uh, and then, but then, yeah, that's what I would have done. I think. Uh, You know, I I, I remember him as a player and what he could do. I don't remember how Marquette really played at that time, uh, but I just remember what George was capable of doing, and I would have made him go out on the perimeter to get the ball and try to do more from the outside than I would have let him do around the basket, I think.
0: Talking with former Marquette coach Mike Dean, I'm glad you brought it up. I apologize I haven't called you because you're the person I thought. The game has changed. Threes are everything, so you alluded to it a little bit. What, what, how would you have played, how would you have set up what you did, given how big the three is? Teams go down and a guy has a layup, and no, he kicks it out for a three in transition. What You said you think you would have adjusted, so I'm, I'm yeah. more than willing to listen to your thoughts on the current game and how to defend it best, knowing everybody shoots threes.
1: everybody shoots threes by placing two guys on one side and one guy on the other at the three-point line and then having a middle ball screen. And uh, what I would do now is from October 1st, whenever you can start practice now, I would every single day guard the two-man play a different way until the guys understood that there's four or five different ways to guard a, a ball screen. And then I would have practiced all five every single day So that during the game, you could change how you guarded the middle ball screen throughout the game and what your rotations would be throughout the game so that no team could get comfortable with how you were doing it. Uh, So you try to keep them off balance. And I've said that to several of my uh, former players and guys that are coaching in basketball, and uh, no one has quite adopted it yet. And, And I'll be honest with you, Homer. The other thing I would do is I would play more zone. Uh, we, we used to use the matchup. And if you remember, we had that continuous half-court trap that mm-hmm. uh, seemed to bother certain teams. I, I would be changing my defense more than, uh, than I did back in those days. I, I would be doing that, I think, just to try to keep t- teams off balance and not let them get into any rhythm. And, and I might say, all right, and a certain guy, hey, you're just going to guard this guy, uh, nose to sternum, and not help out at all, and just don't let him get an open three and then figure out where uh, somebody else was going to have to help in certain situations, and, and we'd figure out who to help off of and who, to, who not to let shoot and who, who to, you know, hopefully makes a shot but has to make it over the top of you. That's what I would do. I, I think I'd still be a pretty effective defensive coach uh, today. And even with – and we would have bigger guys than most teams do. You know, everyone is switching now and playing the smaller lineups – and that seems to be their answer to this, to, to the problem. And everything has become, uh, off the bounce. You know, it was a great team game has become an individual game. And, uh, the pros certainly uh, emphasize that. And the college teams seem to be trying to emulate that. And I would, I would work much harder on individual ball defense. But, uh, I, I also would uh, still think I could be a pretty effective defensive coach with a, a change for every game and changes within the game, which might be a little different than what we did at Marquette.
0: How difficult would it be? And maybe that's why people don't do it—the uh, four or five different ways to play the ball screen. I mean, that's
1: why you said you. I, I don't. I don't think it would be that difficult okay. because, you know, if you, if you're thinking about it, it might take a, the first year might be a little difficult, but. So you're confusing
0: the offense because they don't know how you're going to do it each time,
1: right? Each time, or for a period of two or three minutes, and then I would change, and then I would change again. And then maybe in the second half, if one proved to be a little more fruitful than the other, then I would, I would stick with it a little bit longer. But what happens during a season, especially that first season, is your team ends up having to face all the particular different defenses, because every team would, every team, a lot of teams do everything differently. So some teams will switch. Some teams will hedge. Some teams will double team. Some teams will play you soft in the middle and try to force over the top. Some teams go underneath the screen. So uh, some teams even what they call down the screen where they they force you to stay on the outside and they don't let you use the screen and then they help with the big guy. So... uh, I would have all of those in my repertoire and after the first year, guys would have had faced all of them. So they'd have a better understanding of them. And I I think guys could make that, uh, that adaptation, especially if it started to prove uh, successful along the way. I I think that's, that's the key to uh, developing your defense is guys seeing some success in it and seeing the worth of all that preparation and all that work.
0: Talking with Mike Dean, is there a college team that you've seen that's closest to that theory? Or have there been no? Any? Not really. Okay. Not really.
1: I, and I'm really surprised that that uh, with so many teams going to that offensive scheme or some variation of that offensive scheme, I'm really surprised that the the middle ball screen has become uh, uh, such an integral part of everyone's offense that that, that teams haven't come up with different scenarios uh, to deal with that. I, I'm 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 kind of surprised at it. And 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 yet everybody's saying, well, we don't want to give up on the weak side. We don't want to give it up on the strong side. We don't want to give up the three. I wouldn't have the phobia that I think a lot of coaches possess on the three-point shot now. What I would be phobic about, and this is something I think is really, really interesting, Homer, you you might find interesting, is I would not worry about how many three-point shots they took. I would worry about making sure that we got the rebound on every missed three-pointer. Yeah. How many times have you seen teams take yeah. three-point shots and a long rebound gets tipped but out? isn't to that guard. tough
0: to do because the ball goes everywhere? How
1: do you – do you just tell yes. all – Yes, it does. But what I would do is I would have everybody box out on a three-point shot if your man – because your man oftentimes is outside the three-point line uh, with the spacing concepts today. And I would – I would try to run down the rebounds rather than go up and get them. And certainly your big guys would be around the basket, but they'd be boxing out someone around the basket. And I I would force all five guys, instead of running into the paint, I'd have them run back to their guy and try to get everything that comes down in front of them. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's just me thinking, and I you know I I don't have to do it, so I, I don't know if it's in, in practice. <laughs> nah, anything, nah, you, but it, you know it, it would work. It's a it's a great theorem, though yeah. I think, and, right. uh, and 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 you know, I, and I would add postulates to it along the way, but uh, you know, it's. Uh,
0: yeah, if I, if I send I, I, this tape out, you'll get a job. All right, we've run out of time, but I have to tell you, when anybody asks me my Mike Dean story, I have the same one. So it's Marquette at Wisconsin against Dick Bennett, and Marquette is behind the entire game, and Mike Dean goes to a press with, like, four minutes left to go, and they come from behind and win the game. And, yeah. and the post-game show, I say, Coach, like, why didn't you go to the, gay, to the, to the, to the uh, press earlier in the game? And your answer was, Do you know anything about basketball? What do you mean? He says, it's Dick Bennett. I go to it in the first half. It might work. He'll figure it out, and it won't work down the stretch of the game. And I said, fine. All right, there's 10 minutes left, and you're down by 10, and you don't go to it then. You go, nope, nope, wasn't ready. There's seven minutes left, and you're down by seven, and you have this in your bag that you don't. And you still don't use it. No, 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 no. It wasn't no. the right time. How do you have the guts to wait that long with what you knows will work with the fear that we might go to it too late and it won't bring <laughs> us back? And you said, right. I, 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 that, I, that part, I don't remember. I just remember mostly, do you know anything about basketball?
1: I, I've got, I've got to add the allegory that Steve Obrill is our bench coach then. I think, you know, Steve Obrill. Yep. And, uh, and Dan Thies is next to me. And he says, "We we got to go to the T game. We got to go to the T game." I said, "Not yet." And Steve Obril says, uh, is looking at Dan and Dan says, We got to press. We got to do something.'" And and, and I, I said, "Not yet. Not yet. Not yet." And it happened like five times. So just like you, Steve Oberl and Dan are both saying, "Yeah, what's wrong with this guy? He's he's got to get to the trap." And then it works perfectly. And if you remember, Aaron Hutchins made the cut off at the top of the key and went in all the way for a lane that put us up by one. Uh, with about a. So minute how do you wait? Is that
0: just uh, you, you have a feel, or how? It, it's been many well, years, but I know you know the answer.
1: Well, I, I think you know you have to go with your own feel and your own instincts on the sideline, no doubt. But I, I also felt like, as you said, as I told you, that Dick Bennett, you know, would have have something in his repertoire for that, and he would have enough time if I went to it too soon. Okay to get his team into that mode and we just we caught him at the perfect time because that was the last game if you remember in their old arena yep Fieldhouse and uh, and uh, and I might add to the market fans that we won that game so uh, the uh, I'd never played in the other arena either and uh, so it was a big win and I, I'm just—I just remember Steve Obril and Dan Thies both yelling at me, wondering what's going on. When's yes. he going to go to this? Go to this? Go. And you—you you asked the same question, so I—I I had to put you in the category of Steve Obril, not knowing that much about basketball. All right. <laughs> Thanks. I hope we could do
0: this again. And I think uh, I will play back this tape of your suggestions on defense, uh, various times to various people, and see what they say. I'm not surprised that—that uh, that you're right. Thanks. Uh, well, thank you, Homer. It's you great bet. to talk to you. It's always a pleasure. Former Marquette coach Mike Dean. I don't know what's next. It won't be as good.